Father's Day is just around the corner. And what better way to show your appreciation than with a cozy and luxurious Minky Couture blanket from our collection. Made with the softest and highest quality materials, our blankets are the perfect gift for the dads who deserve to relax and unwind in style. Whether he's watching the game, reading a book, or simply taking a nap, our blankets will provide the ultimate comfort and warmth. Give the gift of luxury this Father's Day with a Minky Couture blanket. Visit our website at minkycouture.com or head to your nearest store to experience the unmatched comfort and quality of our blankets. Happy Father's Day! Hi, Becca, how are you? I'm good, Bethany, how are you? Fantastic. Welcome to episode nine of Prince Kai Fan Pod. We're going to talk about Cinder Book 2, Chapter 11. What have you been up to this week? Oh, golly. It's been quite a week. Um, The kids have been sick, and we've been dealing with house, bank, house stuff, and it's just been crazy. So I'm excited to take a, an hour off of that and talk about some cinder that's for sure <laughs> I started my day before 6 a.m this morning um with am I gonna gross out the readers if I say that my kids have norovirus and I started my day by getting puked on I don't know what norovirus is I'm sure everyone knows what puke is I mean yeah we haven't gotten very far in these books but they get pretty gruesome so I think we can handle puke <laughs> Yeah, so I got thrown up on first thing this morning, um, and I had just washed our comforter because of the previous incident, because they've been sick all week, and uh, so I had to wash it again, and uh, so I'm glad to be locked away for an hour. It's terrible. I bet. Yeah. How about you? Oh, my week. Um... (laughs) Well, so Friday, I just, I, uh, I sprained my, my ankle. (laughs) I saw the picture of the swelling. Yeah, it actually has, um, bruising on it now. And the bruising, like, in between purple and blue. So it's just, like, it actually looks kind of cool if you ignore the fact that it hurts. Um, (laughs) but I haven't even healed from my dislocated shoulder yet, so... (laughs) really and I just got back into running like two or three weeks ago so I'm back to not being able to do anything and I'm blaming my firstborn scamp because I was chasing him and my foot went in a hole and just popped I caught myself in the grass with my face (laughs) as Quentin my husband says that I caught myself with my face so yeah that was that was a stressful day, but otherwise it's been, it's been good. Just, just school. I feel like that's my whole life is school. We need to wrap you in bubble wrap. I have been told that my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. My mom and I were joking that we should start doing a family bingo. Cause I'm, oh, nice. cause I'm so clumsy. And, yeah. uh, we were talking, we were texting about all the different injuries that I've had. And, uh, was, I told, she said, she's surprised I haven't broken my nose yet. And I was like, I really hope not. Cause that never really heals. And I have a really cute nose. So. Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, a lot of the women in my family have a very like protrudent nose. Okay. And I got 
a really cute tiny one and if it breaks yeah. I'm gonna have that big one and I don't <laughs> want it I want my little one so <laughs> oh, really. yeah yeah so we have a few things to catch up on this week I have some stats that I want to share because we talked about last week all of the information we were getting from SoundCloud and it's different in other on other platforms. So I decided I'm going to share the only two that give us countries are SoundCloud and Spotify. So I'm going to share our top two from SoundCloud and Spotify so that hopefully it's a little more inclusive. So Okay, so top 10 countries on SoundCloud in order of most downloads. United States, Canada, Germany, the United Kingdom, Italy, Pakistan, Japan, Sweden, Norway, and Spain. Awesome. I know. Oh my goodness, we have people in Spain. I feel like we're all over the map. It's really exciting. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Um, we really need to reach out to Australia. We have uh, listeners in Australia. Um, hey, Australian listeners, tell your friends. <laughs> the only continent that we do not have a lot of listeners is Africa. Okay. We only have so Egypt in Africa. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We only have well, Egypt in Africa. That's the only country that we have. Sure. And um, hey, Antarctica. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hey, apologize adjacent you should like I, these books <laughs> i did uh i did leave out antarctica because i always kind of forget about it so i apologize yes there are two continents it's so lightly populated it's all scientists they're very busy doing very important work yes <laughs> so um our top 10 on spotify is united states norway canada germany portugal chile Australia, United Kingdom, Belgium, and Netherlands. Awesome. Shout yes. out Netherlands. I am very Dutch. So. Oh, are you? I am. Exciting. If we get, well, I'm Jewish and Romanian, so I guess it doesn't matter what we get, right? Because <laughs> we, <laughs> that's all over. We get spread out a lot. Um, <laughs> we do have I mean, some in the country. Romania, so. Well, um, my ancestors were um, kicked out of Germany and fled to Switzerland or something. No. Yeah. That sounds right. I don't know. I'd have to ask my aunt. She knows these things. What did they do to get kicked out of Germany? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. So I'm like 40% Romanian and like 30% Jewish. And then everything else is like 1% here, 7.2% this. And that's actually really common in people that have Romanian and Jewish roots. And we traced the Romanian family back to a tribe. I feel like I'm going to say it wrong and I'm really sorry, but they were a gypsy tribe. Sassiano, I think is how it's supposed to be pronounced. I would have no idea. I would have no idea. So they were a gypsy tribe. I know. <laughs> Ancestry.com is really cool, you guys. Um, <laughs> and then we trace my Jewish relatives back to the Holocaust, where 
three of them survived and made it to their way to the UK as children and were adopted by American families and so forth. So, yeah, the, the other percentages I really don't know a lot about because they're so sporadic, but sure. hi, everyone, yeah. Romanian and Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew more. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, I know I have, like, some Native Canadian um, and then some Swiss people, of course, you know, married in when they got there and I think the Hilton side has more English and French um my so most people don't know this but I'm actually adopted my dad met my mom when I was three months old and he a few years back went through the genealogy of his family and he was able to trace them all the way back to the Salem witch trials so they they have been here for a while (laughs) yes Yes. And then one more thing. So we recently got added to PodCoin, which is a podcasting app, and they put us on their top 100 new features. So thank you. That is really cool. Hardily, who sent us a review last week, that's where she found us. Oh, awesome. And we also have a listener email from her today that we're going to talk about in a minute. Yes. Okay. So PodCoin, hey, you're awesome. Thank you because email it is it's wonderful and they don't do top people or countries but we have 25 subscribers and 142 different listeners so that's really exciting that's cool yeah oh my god those are the stats that i wanted to share just because i'm so excited about them and it's i know i text you stats a lot but some of them it's easier (laughs) to just read (laughs) <laughs> my phone will go off at the office and I'll just like glance at it and get really excited. <laughs> just you just see Bethany and you're like, oh, that's something good. Yeah. <laughs> and then I can reply right away because like someone will walk by. <laughs> you know, he's getting in trouble. Yeah. Oh. Oh geez. Yeah. So this email, we when we read the review from this listener they said that they would send us an email and I'm so excited that she did and so Bethany tells me that we're allowed to say that her name is Ruby and Ruby you're amazing so this for those that don't remember this was in regards to six percent guy so if we don't remember six percent guy here's a little recap it's back in chapter seven when they have just taken Cinder in and we meet Dr. Erland. And so Dr. Erland has this man in his lab and he's looking at his stats. He's a male, 32 years old. He had a child, but no mention of a spouse. Unemployed. Turned cyborg after a debilitating work-related accident three years ago. No doubt spent most of his savings on the surgery. He traveled all the way from Tokyo. And then two paragraphs down, the diagram of the patient's body. He had a mere 6.4% makeup. His right foot, a bit of wiring, and a thumbnail-sized control panel embedded in his back. So he is a cyborg but he is only 6% and it's essentially just the foot and then the wires connecting the foot and the control panel in his thigh controlling the foot. 
So I just realized when you said all of that out loud that it said the accident happened three years ago. Yes. Which means it did occur before the cyborg draft. Yeah. Because, yeah, because we speculated last week about whether he had chosen to have this surgery before the draft. That's a big factor. It really is. Yeah. Because if a cyborg graft was not a thing, combined with the fact that he had the skin grafting. Yes. uh, He could hide this quite well. Yeah. Did it say how old his son was? It doesn't. Because the skin grafting, the skin grafting could also be so that his son either doesn't know or isn't scared by the metal or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go ahead and read this email from Ruby. Yes. I'll just read the whole thing. It's a little long, but I'm so happy about it. I'm just going to read the whole thing. Okay. Okay. I hope I get tonation right. We'll see. <laughs> yes. Hi, guys. So with this guy, I remember that he had replaced his foot and another body part out of his own pocket. Now, with the way cyborgs are treated, it got me thinking that the average person in this future would have to be under extreme pressure to willingly choose to become a cyborg. It's been a while since I last listened to the audiobooks, so I'm not sure if it is shown, but I can imagine people choosing to be living on the streets or dying over living, quote, comfortably as a cyborg. So why would this guy be willing to deal with all the discrimination and prejudice that comes with becoming a cyborg even for something as minimal as a foot and that other body part that I just can't seem to remember, which is not another body part. It's just the control panel for the wires. So that's good. It really is just the foot to be able to work as well as he did before the accident to bring some examples in. His reason is the exact same that Chris Gardner pursuit of happiness spent a year as an unpaid intern and often being homeless. Why Andy from Cargo chose to suffer the symptoms of becoming a zombie for as long as he did, and why Joy from Room didn't give in to her depression while she was held captive. He paid to become a cyborg for his kid. As I'm waiting for the next episode, I can't help but keep thinking about this single father, even with him being a throwaway character. I was doing some research on the single parent stereotype, and for what I remember, not a single character in this entire series fits the stereotype. I have to give major kudos for Marissa Meyer here. Even with a throwaway character, she made sure to do all her research. Before I end this email, I want to ask a question that came up as I was looking into things. Is there any character in the whole series that has a nuclear family at the point this series takes place? I'm excited to continue the series with you all, Ruby. Okay. Ruby, you're welcome. So, Bethany, you are familiar with the series. Yes. I am not. What is there? And are there any? There are not any nuclear families in this series. Not. So the definition of a nuclear family, if anyone is, it's, it's actually becoming outdated, but the definition of a nuclear family is a couple as in two people and their dependent children and regarded as a basic social unit. So basically, it's two parents and two kids. And or however many kids, right? Or however many kids, yeah. It's basically, oh, it's basically, my husband uh, grew up in a nuclear family, and that just occurred to me. I did not. My parents were divorced before I was born. And like I said, my mom and my dad met when I was three months old. So 
Yeah. And they got divorced when I was 15. So nobody stays together. I did do some research and there's not any example of a nuclear family in the Lunar Chronicle series. Now, there is a very good example of a progressive nuclear family in the Renegade series that I am so excited to talk about when we get there in like two years. <laughs> but <laughs> as far as the Lunar Chronicles goes, all of the family situations are very unique and circumstantial. And I agree with Ruby. You have to give kudos here to Marissa Meyer. She, if nothing else, she does a good job of portraying the world as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Ruby, such good points. So I don't, <laughs> I feel bad. I haven't seen any of these movies. Um, okay, thank you, because neither have I, and I actually have only heard, like, really heard of one of them. <laughs> I remember the preview for Pursuit of Happiness because it had yeah. Will Smith, right? And Jaden was the little kid, and it was misspelled. Happiness was misspelled, and it was based on a true story, and that's really all I know. I'm not big on movies. Yeah. I mostly watch like reruns of Friends and read books. So <laughs> I'm a little unfamiliar with these, but I can grasp the concept that when it comes to your child, there are no limitations to what you're willing to do. And yeah. I'm not a mother or so I don't, I can't say from experience, but I'd love to hear your take. You're a mom. Well, you know, here's the thing. So if, it was the choice between absolutely being an outcast and living on the streets or, you know, being able to blend in with society and give my kid a somewhat normal life. Absolutely. I would do it. I think the part that to me is bonkers about this society is that you would make someone an outcast over a missing foot. That's the part I still can't get over. It's just, so strange to me that that is such a big deal but yeah as far as doing anything for your kids you know oh of course of course you know there is no question that if I lived in this crazy bonkers society that makes no sense to me that I would be a total outcast and unemployable because I did not have a foot you better believe I would do anything I had to to get a foot to take care of my kids yeah I mean, it's just, you don't even think about it. You just do it. Yeah. And it's something my mom pointed out when I was talking to her about it is unconditional love and involuntary thought. That's what she said. So I, I'm not a parent unless you count my two dogs, which I would and have done several things you'd be surprised I do for them. But I can only imagine, especially as a single parent, as we talked about before, when you're a single parent, you have no one to lean on. It's just you. And in this particular situation, obviously as a single father, who's a widow, mm-hmm. or I think in males, it's called mm-hmm. widower. I'm sorry, a widower. Obviously mm-hmm. he wasn't left with much choice anyways. He didn't have anyone else to lean on. So, and he came all the way from Tokyo, which I feel like I should have looked it up. But that's pretty far to go from. If we're assuming that new Beijing is in the same location as current Beijing, that's a pretty far travel. I'm going to look it up right now. 
Yeah, I don't know that it would be as far as the ones that come from like Mumbai. I feel like that's a little further um, just because China like stretches so far west. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a globe in front of me. I wish I did. I love globes, but I don't have space. While you look that up, though, can I just complain one more time that this man, Absolutely. he was hurt at work. Is there no workers' comp insurance in this society? Like, why did they not take care of him? That just makes me very upset because my employer would absolutely pay for a new foot. for this. Well, I also, I don't understand because for, for people who aren't, hundred percent familiar with how this particular system works. Workman's comp will almost always pay, even if it's not a hundred percent, even if they don't cover, you know, extreme cert like not extreme circumstances, experimental procedures. Yeah. It depends so, on the state so much though. I mean Well so that's what I'm wondering if if this is considered experimental, I don't see how it could be because it seems like it's the only option. But yeah, and at this point, it seems pretty ingrained, um, like pretty well known and done. Yeah. Um, I don't the know. other, the other thing is, my dad worked at Firestone most of my childhood, uh-huh. and the Firestone plant closed down, and he got workers displacement. I think. Okay. And it was like a small grant and he went to community college with that and his GI bill and got a nursing degree. And that was just because the plant closed. He wasn't even injured. So So as part of a severance package or something, they provide. Yeah. 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 And workers comp does that pretty often as well. We do job vouchers. We will pay for somebody to go to school to learn a new trade if they can't work in what they were trained in because of an accident you know yeah that's definitely a thing it definitely depends on what state you're located in because I can tell you right here in Nebraska they don't pay for anything unless you get a lawyer and fight for it you are not fairly compensated and that's unfortunate my husband is not a litigious person so when he lost his finger or part of his finger you know, he's never going to fully recover from that. He, in a previous life, worked in a call center where he had to type. He's not that great of a typer anyway, but with a numb finger. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's got an extra challenge there. Which uh, finger was it? Oh, his best one. <laughs> oh, okay. I was trying to think like what, I was trying to think of which finger had he lost. So his it was the right. middle finger. His right middle finger, you know, I mean, just the tip, but, but it, it causes numbness all the way through. My grandfather-in-law, is that correct? My husband's grandfather lost his pinky and he was a farmer and he lost his pinky many, many, many years ago. And I never even noticed until like maybe a couple years ago. And we've been together like a decade. But yeah. because it's the pinky, it doesn't, and it wasn't the whole pinky. It was like 75% of the pinky. And sure. I just didn't notice it. No, yeah, wouldn't it wouldn't be terribly obvious. Probably most people don't notice Jerry's finger. He was very self-conscious about it at first, I think, but. I would uh, be too. I really would be. Yeah. Yeah. It okay. A lot of and yeah, workers' comp doesn't pay for the distress either in the state of Nebraska. It's <laughs> 
anyway. <laughs> um, so I did find out it's 2,088 kilometers from Be from Tokyo to Beijing, which is 1,297 miles. That is very far. But to give a, ter a perspective like what you said, where they were pulling people into the draft from Mumbai, India, it's 4,742 kilometers. So over double the amount of space. Okay. So he traveled all the way there, but it's still not. This is one of those things. Another person's grievance being worse than yours doesn't invalidate yours, but this is by far not the worst of it. Right. So what did you say? 1,500 miles approximately? Uh, 1,297 miles. Yeah. 1297. So that's like the width of Iowa times four. The width of Iowa times four. Because Iowa at I-80 is, I want to say, 308 miles across. Okay. Based on mile markers. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I've made um, that <laughs> Yeah. So to give a perspective, I currently live in Mississippi and all of my family on my mother's side lives in San Diego, California. And according to my iPhone, it is 1600 miles between my house and my sister's apartment. So I would say if you're trying to compare, then probably Louisiana to California is similar to Tokyo to Beijing. That sounds about right. 12 to 1300 miles. Yeah. Okay. So, so two days driving. Yeah. If yeah. I don't know how quickly their transportation works. Sure. They have the hover. Yeah. I assume they still have bullet trains and airplanes, so I assume he wasn't driving, but I don't really know if they put out all the stops for cyborg drafts. Maybe they put him in an old gas bus or something. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. But she brought up she brought up a lot of really good points and oh. I really appreciate her taking the time to send us this email because I, I agree that this seems like a, a just a throwaway character, but it really does give a lot of insight into this world, especially with Satine's comment of the biggest thing to me out of that. Oh, I just can't get my head out of Dr. Erlon saying it's only 6.4% and his assistant Satine saying it's better than testing on people. Three yeah. years ago, he was considered people, but now because of this 6% foot, she no longer considers him human. And, and I just, I have so much trouble wrapping my head around that kind of astigmatism. It's terrible. It is. Yeah. I don't want to get too depressed. <laughs> no. Um, so we have a couple more things before we move on. Um just a reminder, our listener world map is on Facebook and Instagram. And if you don't see your state or country, just email me and I'll be happy to add it. And then we have a birthday shout out to Daphne. I'm so sorry. This name is difficult. Daphne Gilda Smurf, I think. I think it's hard to know how to how to say that one. But her friend just finished the whole series. So that's very exciting for both of them. 
And her Instagram handle is 0.0 underscore book underscore nerd underscore 0.0 if you want to give her a follow. Which is an adorable handle, by the way. (laughs) Yes, I love it. So I have a couple of things I researched from our last episode that we talked about. Yes. So we talked about was the first self-driven car a thing before she wrote this book and talked about self-driven hovers. Mm -hmm. And it was. The first successful self-driven car was in 1984. So older than Bethany. Yes. And I could not believe that. I thought it was a much more recent technological advancement. No, self-driven cars apparently have been a thing for as long as chicken nuggets. Is that how long chicken nuggets have been around? Why do I know that chicken nuggets debuted in 1984-ish? I don't know. But they did. That's incredible that you know that. I was alive. You know? Yeah. yeah. I just was, I was baffled. I really didn't think it had, I thought it was like maybe 2005 or something. Sure. Yeah. And then the first, we also talked about, had there been any successful 3D printing of prosthetics before she wrote this book? Now she wrote this book in 2012 and the first flexible and functioning 3D printed prosthetic was on a man in Cambodia in 2015 and it was his right hand. So after this book was published, we talked about how quickly technology advances that a mere three years after she wrote this book, the technology was already... The technology that seemed futuristic was realistic. I don't... Yeah, I don't know what words we would say, but something that seemed futuristic was just normal that quickly. Yeah. It's like if you go back and watch Star Trek or Back to the Future or something and see what they envisioned our world looking like now yeah it's a little different so I just wanted to share that because I know we mentioned it and I I did take the time to go look it up thank you for doing that that's awesome that's interesting I yeah I wasn't thinking about flexible or functional 3d printed prosthetics but that's cool I actually didn't know that they were doing that this is the that was all the way back in 2015 which was four years ago I mean I watch Grey's Anatomy, but everything on there is dramatized, and I don't know how much of it to believe. But on Grey's Anatomy, they printed a heart, so. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. I know. I'm watching when the plane crashed. I have no idea what's going on. Oh, the plane crash was several seasons ago. Most of those characters. one episode after the plane crashed. Most of those characters aren't even there anymore. Well, most of them are dead, right? No, only two died in the plane crash. Like, haven't some of them since? I don't know. I don't want to spoil it for people who care. <laughs> if you want to watch Grey's Anatomy, it's who it's a doozy. Give yourself a couple of days. It's it's yeah. stressful. Stressful. Okay. <laughs> I've never watched anime before, other oh. than like Howl's Moving Castle or My Neighbor Totoro or things like that, mm-hmm. because. As I said before, I have a seizure disorder, and anime is usually too flashy for me. However, my husband Quentin and I had this agreement that if he read Cinder, which he listened to on audio, I had to watch this anime with him that he really likes called uh, My Hero Academia. And 
it is nerve wracking. I literally was shaking the other night because I was so overwhelmed with anxiety about what was going on in this show. And this was like a season in that I was just literally shaking because of how overwhelmed I was. Wow. I recommend that TV show if anybody likes anime. It's on Funimation. Oh my goodness. Fun. Yeah. It's, I haven't watched a lot since like back in the Sailor Moon days, you know. I've never been big on anime. And like I said, other than the movies. So this is yeah. a, a new experience for me. Yeah. I, uh, I took Japanese in high school. So I had some friends in class and stuff that were obsessed with it. But I never got super duper into any of it. My sister Samantha reads the novels. The I've manga. heard it pronounced. I've heard it pronounced both ways, manga and manga. And I've had people correct me both ways, so <laughs> I apologize for however it's properly pronounced. But my sister no. Samantha reads those. Is it the same word in Japan as it is here? I have no idea. Manga, because of I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the expert. Yeah, I, I've had people correct me both ways that I say it. So I just say, oh, I'm not sure how to say that. And then I let the person I'm speaking to tell me which pronunciation they prefer and go with that. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. So should we actually get into some sender stuff? I think we better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where we left off, Cinder was ready to hit Dr. Erland with a wrench. And then all of a sudden, she calmed down, her adrenaline went away, and she saw the orange light. And he said, sit down. He said, please sit down. And ooh, it's like she was roofied a little bit. Like, everything feels heavy. She feels confused and foggy. The word that she used that I really liked was syrupy. Yes, I love that. Therapy confusion. I loved that word. So good. So good. Yeah, and then she's she's confused about why the orange light showed because he didn't say anything. How could he lie? And maybe the shock to her system messed with her programming. Um, this is interesting. Um, this is so... If we go that very first page, he's talking to her about everything that's going on and they're talking about her programming and her system and he's pointing to the image of her her body and he yes. says, let me tell you what is peculiar about it. Mm-hmm. And Cinder pulls up her glove on her arm, hiding yeah. the scar tissue. So even in this environment and this situation, she still wants to hide those cyborg extremities. Like, it almost doesn't make any sense that the first time we saw her in paragraph one or book in chapter one, it almost doesn't make sense that she wasn't wearing the gloves to begin with and had to put them on. Right. Yeah, it was, that was strange to me as well. I guess maybe if she's kind of mostly alone in her store, she's more comfortable and here she's, in an unfamiliar environment with someone she doesn't know. And so I don't know. Like a calming mechanism. What's that? Like a calming mechanism. You know how, so they say that, and I've done it myself before because I have issues with depression. You can hug yourself 
as a calming mechanism to help calm yourself when you're in overwhelming situations. Do we think that this particular mannerism is a way for her is a calming mechanism is something that makes her feel safe and secure and is comforting to her in situations like this? Or is it just a habit that she's just constantly pulling them on and pulling them up and she doesn't even notice it anymore? Yeah, I could see the calming thing. Definitely, she seems more comfortable when she's covered up her stuff. And then the self-deprecating attitude that she has, you know, the sarcasm, I'd say about 36.28% of it is pretty peculiar. She's definitely, definitely self-conscious. I found the paragraph where she puts the glove on. It's on page five and it says, she covered her steel hand first, and though her right palm began to sweat immediately inside the thick material, she felt more comfortable with the gloves on, hiding the plating on her left hand. So it does indicate right from the beginning that she feels more comfortable if she's wearing it. I just felt that it was strange that she wasn't wearing it. to be. I wonder why in that particular scene she didn't have it on. I wonder if when she's working on mechanical things, if she just needs better use of her hands for like detail work that's um, a good point with it being so hot and the thick gloves you know it's definitely hard to do a lot of things with gloves on i agree that's a good point to bring up yeah it could just be that yeah she needed to do her work and yeah so she's 36.28 percent peculiar yeah, over a third, and everything feels heavy, and Dr. Erland is talking about the microbes are gone. Poof, disappeared, poof. He's so delightful. It is, he's great, he's so cute. <laughs> she said that everything felt heavy, and I'm trying to understand why. Well... You think it's because she was drugged? Well, I mean, I don't think that she was necessarily drugged, but it, the symptoms are as if she was drugged. Like his Jedi mind trick made her feel in a stupor that takes a while to come out of, like when you're drugged. Or like, do you ever have a migraine and then like you feel hungover for days after, right? We talked about yeah. that before. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Me though that these Jedi mind tricks that he has, they seem to come on pretty quickly. It's weird that they take a minute to wear off of her. That's kind of strange to me. I don't know why. Well, I suppose we don't really know how quickly it came on because you could tell that she was tense and severe and angry during their whole conversation. So, I mean, they had four or five pair like sentences of dialogue before she raised the wrench. So maybe he was preparing for it the whole time. There's not really a lot of explanation as to what he is doing. That's making all this happen. Or even if he is the one doing it. True. Yeah. We don't know. He is just downright giddy. I just, he is excited. She does not have the plague. No. Oh, Anastasia fireflies from Rasputin are all gone. I love it. He goes, yes, yes, lovely feeling, isn't it? He's just, 
He really is just delightful. This whole exchange is so pleasant that just that he's so excited and giddy and happy. And she's just confused thinking it's a trap, but knowing that he's not lying. It does seem surreal. And I understand why she would be questioning it. And that little orange light gives her the opportunity to not go into what if scenarios too much, which is something I would do. Yeah. So it saves her in a way. It would. Yeah. Assuming it's reliable. Right. As much as I would hate the orange light in so many situations here coming in handy. So Dr. Erlen's, you know, asking, what do you recall from, from childhood that could be connected? Any brushes with death? Well, she's 36% cyborg. Presumably she has a brush with death. <laughs> um, so here is where we get, which I mentioned last week, and I'm so excited. These are our first Easter egg hatchings. So if you've been reading along and listening to the podcast, you know that I've been pointing out if there are any clues in the chapters and I've been calling them Easter eggs. There are two hatchings right now. They both happened in chapter six. In chapter six, she was she and Audrey were talking about how she got her injuries and we kept asking what happened before this. Right. And she kept telling Audrey, it's not my fault. I didn't ask for this. I didn't want to be adopted. I didn't want to be made a cyborg. Well, here we find out just how little she actually had to do with any of it. The only information she has is the information they gave her when she woke up. And she recites it Uh very monotonously. Yeah. Because she has no emotional connection to these these people, these parents, Uh other than she read their names in a file. It's so crazy to me that she just woke up at the age of 11 with metal extremities and strangers surrounding her and no memory of literally anything. And her story, yeah, it's so matter of fact. Some idiot removed the collision sensor so that the hover would go faster. And she says, yeah, well, it killed my parents and threw me through the windshield. The force pushed the hover off the maglev track. It rolled a couple times and pinned me underneath. Afterwards, some of the bones in my leg were the consistency of sawdust. At least that's what they told me. She doesn't remember any of it. Yeah. And then she just remembers apparently a drug-induced fog, mushy thoughts, and pain. And she's telling him all of this because he says, apparently you're immune. And he thinks he thinks it's because she was exposed to something in her childhood and was able to fight it off. And we know that she came from Europe. He seems very intrigued by this whole conversation with her. And even when she says that they came from Europe, his reaction is his hands are trembling. The doctor's hands trembled as if his clutched fingers alone were keeping him from combusting. You're from Europe then? Yeah. Why is he so impatient? I don't know. She makes a sex change joke. Which... (laughs) I don't know if this would um, get written today, but it was, it's funny to me. Um, yeah, I don't know how PC it is, but I did, I'd be interested if anybody had an opinion against it. I think what she's going, what Cinder, the character is going for here is just shock and awe. So it's hilarious to me. Honestly, I'm not it makes me think of something Chandler would have said on Friends. Really? 
Just kind of shoot him in the sack. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. I love that show. But that's, every time I read that, it makes me think of, like, something Chandler would say. For sure. Yeah, her sarcasm is a little bit Chandler. That's why I love her, probably. I adore Chandler. So, again, they talk about her repairs like she's a car yeah it's very much like oh did you change your oil did you (laughs) it's just and she even her inner monologue says repairs what a very cyborg term Mm -hmm. yeah she's not happy we talked about do you want to describe this they she said all she could remember was the pain yeah the pain Every muscle was burning, every joint screaming, her body in rebellion as it discovered what had been done to it. That is so well written. She didn't consent to this. Her body didn't consent to this. There are foreign objects invading her. And, you know, foreign objects invading you. I mean, it's one thing like your immune system is going to fight that off. Right. I mean, you get a donor kidney or something, you have to take the anti rejection medicine forever or your body will attack it. It's an invader. She is 36 percent invasion. The way that she describes it, her body in rebellion as it discovered what had been done to it, that's very separated. Yeah, she's very disconnected from her body at this moment. That's when I read that sentence, I can feel how disconnected she feels from the body that she's trapped in. Yeah. And she woke up that way. Yeah. I mean, you just, and you have no memories from before, just haze and pain. But she knows things. Right. Yeah. She can speak, she can walk, she can read, she can write. Yeah. Just no autobiographical memories. And they talk about. God, this frustrates me so much. 11 years old, you must have gone through a lot of prosthetic limbs growing into those. Yeah, well, she should have. Should have, yeah. Should have. Didn't. Because between the ages of 11 and 16. You do a lot of growing. Yeah. I mean, when I was 11, I was like 4'9". And when I was 16, I was 5'1". So... (laughs) When I was 10, I was like five foot three and already wearing a size eight and a half or nine shoe. So I actually didn't do a lot of growing in this time frame. But most kids, tweens, teens would. My niece, for all intents and purposes, my cousin's daughter, Haley, the last time we were in California was two years ago and she was shorter than me. She's 12 or 13 right now, I believe. And she's two inches taller than me now. Yeah. Let's round up. I'm 5'2". But still, that's pretty significant in two years that she would grow, you know, three or four inches in two years. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My nephew, Jacob, they were in town this past weekend from Colorado. And uh, I'm pretty sure they were just here at like Christmas or New Year's or something. Like, I didn't, I don't feel like it has been that many months since we've seen them. It might have even been spring break when they were here. He is the same height as me now, like almost exactly. It's crazy. 
I don't know how that happened. <laughs> and imagine like doing all of that, but your hand and your foot never grow. Right. She has a calf compartment, but she right. only replaced her foot. So presumably oh. her, her calf hasn't grown in that five-year period either. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I guess when I picture her foot, I picture like below the knee on down. But yeah, that would be that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Huh. Too big or now is it too small or. That's interesting. Well, we know that she's relatively thin. They said that her description was tomboyish and angular. That gives the indication that she's, you know, kind of thin. So it's possible that. She just never got very big calves, and so she didn't grow into it. Everybody's yeah. bodies are going to be different, so I mean, it's possible yeah. that her. I honestly, I feel like my, I feel like everything is the same size as when I was really skinny because I was like 110 pounds when we got married. I feel like yeah. everything is the same size except my stomach. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe her calves didn't grow, or maybe maybe the. The bionic calf was a little bit bigger, so her other leg grew into it. Yeah. Do you think an 11-year-old has a big enough calf to fit a wrench in? Depends on the 11-year-old, but I wouldn't expect her to because she's, you know, such a small frame from how she's described. But also, in the early, early 90s, before they had the, the technology with prosthetics, to make really functional knees and stuff. If they had to amputate above the knee, but your foot and ankle were viable, they would take your foot and ankle, flip it backwards and make it your knee. This is the thing. So I went to elementary school with a girl who had cancer in her leg bone, fourth grade. And that is what they did for her. So she had both of her feet but only one like shin and calf. So they, yeah, it's hard to picture. But when they did that, the doctors estimated how tall they thought she would be as an adult and put her ankle that's now her knee at the place that it would be to match her other knee if she got to like the height and proportions that they guessed that she would. So that when she was an adult, her knees would be as even as possible. It's the coolest thing. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that they do it that way anymore because we have better prosthetics that, you know, are even sometimes able to have your nerves tell it what to do. But yeah, back in the day, I mean, you know, 1991, this was like, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. This is pretty cool. The fact that you can do that to me is amazing. Yeah, and it's super cool. Maybe, maybe the doctors did the same thing for her. Maybe they, a lot of the growing that you do is between the, this is my educational degree um, popping out. A lot of the growing that you do happens between birth and age 13. And then it kind of gets a little more gradual. Now, some yeah. people like my husband, who was 5'10 when I met him and is over six feet now, Grow after high school. My sister Lindsay did that too. She was 5'9 when she graduated high school, and I'm pretty sure she's like 5'11 now. Wow. 
So some people, they just keep growing and it's a little bit more gradual, but for the most part are growing as far as, and I don't mean like weight gain or anything. I mean like actual growth as in height and length and things like that is between birth and age 13. So I suppose at age 11, it would have been fairly easy to guess what her measurements would be in a few years when she got to, I don't know, full growth. Yeah, presumably. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that's what they did. And they made her calf that size, although they didn't make her foot that size. So I don't know. Yeah, that is I don't know. That's very yeah. strange. But either way. I'm- going very long we're way off track yes either way uh he said that she must have gone through a lot of prosthetics and Mm -hmm. she should have but audrey had refused to pay for new parts for her freak stepdaughter i hate that word audrey's awful so cinda wants to go she asks if she's free to go no you're you must realize how valuable you become with this discovery And then, so she asks if she's still a prisoner, but just a valuable one now. Ugh. I hate, like, her lack of autonomy just makes me sad. (laughs) Again, though, considering maybe 20 minutes ago her prospects on life were so bleak that she thought she was dying, and maybe 10 minutes ago she was ready to commit murder to escape, Right, you're still a prisoner, even a valuable one, is obviously going to be a little disheartening. True, true. Yeah. She is worth a lot, apparently. Much too precious to kill. And she, I love her sarcasm. You weren't exactly saying that an hour ago. So true. Her sassiness. Oh, the sassiness. This is one of her best qualities. She's so capable of advocating for herself and like i said before this isn't the type of cinderella that we grew up with this is a very strong competent woman who's not killing anyone with kindness she's ready to slap back very quickly love it (laughs) and so she's realizing how valuable she is and she's immune she's important maybe she can buy her freedom from so Buying her freedom from Audrey, this is interesting to me. Because 6% doesn't seem to have a guardian. She has to go back to Audrey. Okay, Audrey, yeah. Audrey volunteered her for plague research. So as far as I'm yeah. concerned, that's the same as if you take a cat to the pound and leave it there. It's no longer yours. You do not get a say in who it goes to or who it goes to or what happens to it. Why? I'm going to have to bleep myself out. Why the fuck does she have to go back to Audrey? Okay. I don't. Why? Super messed up and terrible. But I mean, I guess laws are laws. But also this whole like buying back your freedom thing. That was a thing in like slavery. I mean, this is this is slavery is what this is. This is like she is property. It's just so wrong. I. Ugh. It's such a struggle for me, but it's also, it's such a big compliment to Marissa Meyer as an author that she included not only the fact that Cinder is virtually a slave because she doesn't receive, she's a slave, but she gets the cute little title of adopted and step family. 
But even after they gave her up, even after they didn't want her, even after they sent her to the slaughterhouse, she mm-hmm. still has to go back to them. Yeah, like where is CPS right now? But she's not human, so CPS wouldn't care. Like, can you believe me? Because this is fucked up. Yeah, I, I have. I don't know if anybody caught it on the episode with Ashley, but I found a cute little like drop noise that I'm gonna drop in every time we accidentally cuss. So <laughs> if you hear that noise, it's because we can't control ourselves. This is so stressful. I just, I'm so stressed out. Why is she going back to Audrey? It's so upsetting. But Cinder is such a bad that she is going to use this to her advantage. She knew. She knew she was going back to Audrey. Yeah. And she immediately was like, okay, fine. Yeah. All right. Yeah, here fine. are my terms. Mm-hmm. You, you want me to be your guinea pig? That's fine. Here's, what's the, here's my end of the bargain. Yep. Yeah. If I'm so valuable, yep. I'm compensated. Here's well, he said we would pay you. Yeah. And she says, you know, separate account. Audrey can't know, can't have access. Yep. Peony gets... Well, she first she first thinks about Peony. She thinks about the money. She says that the money was tempting. She could buy back her freedom. But even yep. that insight dulled when she thought of Peony. And uh, this, is, this is such a big moment to me. You really think I can help? Yeah. Peony, she probably maybe would have just run. Right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. The money she may be able to buy her freedom. Maybe not. She but could she help cure peony? She can cure peony. She's going to do it. Yeah. And he says, I do. In fact, I think every person on earth could soon find themselves immensely grateful to you. He's, he finds her very valuable now. And like she said an hour ago, that wasn't true. Yeah. And, uh, and she wants peony to have the antidote first. And he says, the emperor must be the first to receive the antidote. His eyelids crinkled with sympathy. I love these descriptions. His eyelids crinkled with sympathy. Sympathy, But I can promise your sister will be second. Oh, and that's where it leaves us. And I love it. It's such a, and it's only a few pages. It's, it's like, I think it's less than 10 pages. But it's seven pages. Wow, it's very small. But there's... There's so much that happens in this chapter. It invites so many questions. And the biggest grievance that I have right now is that she has to go back to Audrey. It like, okay, so can you put me up here? Because I don't want to go back. She might, she probably wants Iko, but other than that, what does she have to go home to? Um, yeah. I would have said, bring me Iko. <laughs> Give me this apartment. <laughs> And if I'm immune, I want to see Peony. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is all very quick. Maybe she'll think of these things later. I don't know. She's only 16. We got to give her credit where it's due. When I was 16, I'm not sure that all a lot of this stuff would have occurred to me. So when I was 16, I was an idiot. Oh, when I was 16, I was getting my first apartment. Oh, my gosh. I was so. making very bad decisions. <laughs> no, I had an apartment. I had jobs. I was, yeah, I got my, my first apartment like three months before my 17th birthday. Oh my goodness. I yeah. got my first job when I was 17. No, I got my first job when I was 12. I babysat, but 
I so I there was a local restaurant that I waitressed at over the summer at um the Walden Springs, which was a uh, like a state park nearby. And then when I was huh? As a twelve year old? Yeah. You waitressed. Yeah. I didn't serve alcohol, but I waitressed. Are there no child labor laws in Illinois? You just have to get a piece of paper signed by your school and your parent. My mom signed it. You can do that here too, but you have to be 14, I think. This Even. was also 17 years ago. No, no, no. I'm saying like when I was of that age, so well before this. Yeah, I just had to get a piece of paper. I mean, I didn't get like a paycheck or anything. We just all got paid our tips, but yeah. Okay. Okay. And then when I was 14, I started detasseling in the summer. I guess, yeah, you can detassel fairly young. Yeah. So what was your quote for this chapter? Okay. Marissa Meyer is great. And I love the way she describes Dr. Erlen. So Cinder is telling him that she's there on a volunteer basis. And it says, the doctor's face brightened. Eyes shining like lanterns between the wrinkles. Oh, that's so poetic. Like her, um, I guess it's a simile because it uses like or as. Her similes and metaphors and all this junk. Holy cow. Shining like lanterns. It's just great. I love it. It pictures, it makes me think lanterns too. Like I always. Whenever I hear the word lantern, I picture, like, the floating lanterns from Tangled. Oh, I've never seen Tangled. That's my favorite Disney movie. I hear it's really good. Quentin and I, that was one of the first things we did as a couple, was we went and saw Tangled in theaters together. Oh. You need to go watch it. It's beautiful. I love it so much. I should probably look it up. I would love Mother Gothel so much. She's so theatrical. There's so many movies that I have not seen. Is that at the top of your list? Okay. (laughs) You can watch it with your kids. I could. I could do that. Although they only want to watch the Baby Shark videos. Okay. Um. (laughs) So my quote was stars know you are much too precious to kill love it i love it so much is said in that and i just love the fact that stars is slang can we start using that in our daily life i already do okay good because i know we're not going to make fetch happen but i think we can make stars I do like stars. I like saying, oh, stars, or thank the stars, or I think that's very yeah. sweet. I say a lot of, oh, my ruling and uh, Merlin's beard, but. <laughs> I like that. Um, you know. Okay. So, housekeeping? Uh, there are two Easter eggs in this chapter. Ooh, okay. Actually, next- there are three. Ooh. Just, I just thought of one. I'm so sorry. I'm kidding. This is my notebook, Becca. It says podcast notes on it. And I just realized there's a third one. So I'm going to go write that down real quick. Okay. So while you write that down, our next episode will cover chapter 12 of Cinder. 
follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Prince Kai Fan Pod. If you enjoyed the episode and you'd like to help us out, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you leave us a comment anywhere on any of the platforms, SoundCloud, CastBox, Apple Pods, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we will read that. Yeah. And send us write it down. Also, if you have any questions or comments or concerns that you want to email us like Miss Ruby did, please do. As long as it's no spoilers, we will read it on the episode and talk about it. I love hearing from everyone. So does Becca. So feel free to message away. And if it is spoilers, then Bethany will probably just talk to you directly. directly. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, I might save it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For future when we do get to that stuff, and then we'll talk about it later. Yeah. Um, and then one more thing. We talked about doing Fan Art Friday, and I did a poll on our Instagram and got, like, 31 yeses and zero noes. So we're going to start doing Fan Art Friday. Uh, send it away. Make sure that you can prove it is yours. If I find out it's from somebody else on the internet, I'm going to give them credit. I'm sorry, guys. We have to give credit to whoever the original artist is. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. Channery's Little mm -hmm. Devil, who's our pretty, our pretty much our number one correspondent, pointed that out to me, that it's a lot of people, uh, there are people out there who take credit for other people's artwork if they find it on the internet. So, if you are sending us fan art for Fan Art Friday, please make sure it's your own. If it is on behalf of another artist and you know who that artist is, let me know so we can reach out to them and see if they want to share their artwork or not. But otherwise, just send it our way. We love to look at it and see. I've been floating around Instagram messaging people when I see something cool and seeing if they'll let me share it. So Nice. Yes. That's exciting. <gasps> okay. So, we will see you next week. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Cinder by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Rebecca Baker. Thank you for listening. <laughs>